0: Psalm 90, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you have formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O child of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but, but as yesterday when it is past, or as watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and it is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. You set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy, or even by the reason of strength eighty. Yet their span is toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days so that we get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that may we rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord and our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Matthew 25, 21. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. And to the joy of your master.
1: Frankie, your grandfather would want me to tell you, did very well. Good job, little guy. So be careful with that. I once read the eulogy at my grandmother's funeral, and look at me now, I'm a pastor. So it can be dangerous. Let us pray. Father God, here we are before your word. A word that promises us that this is not the end of Ed Cressman's life that we are beholding here today. But a new beginning. Help bless us to believe such truth with greater courage and greater joy. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible is unafraid to talk about death. In one sense, if I had to summarize the Bible in three points, it's three points centered around death. The beginning of the Bible begins with man through his sin, allowing death to enter into this world. And then in the climax of Scripture, we have a Messiah... Who comes to save us from death itself. By dying the death we deserve to die upon the cross. And then the Bible ends. With God putting to an end. The final enemy. And the final enemy is called death. And so it should be of no surprise. When we find ourselves this afternoon. In the hymn book of God. That was ultimately not arranged in chronological order but by themes that this first psalm this was actually the first psalm ever written it was the only psalm written by Moses Um, but it shouldn't surprise us that this first psalm psalm 90 was Moses's own personal reflection on life on death and on the passage of time. In one sense, it's been said of this psalm, it's a little bit like the eulogy of Moses. And I find it an appropriate place to begin this morning because in many ways, Ed and my friendship really began and started in the aftermath of a funeral. Luch Stiffnell was a good friend of Ed's. Um, and And Ed, through the final years of Luch's life, they became regular breakfast companions and uh, they would try to meet up at least once a month together in order to share with one another fellowship and and Ed really was the man who came alongside Luch and uh, walked that road with him and uh, when I first received the call here about three years ago, uh, Luch departed early on in my time here. And so here Ed had this breakfast void. And here I was. And I came to Old Goshenhoppen a foreigner. Now I know what a few of you are saying. Aren't you from the West Coast? Well, in Pennsylvania Dutch culture, that's a foreigner. <laughs> Maybe it's because I have a... Uh, A likeness a little bit like Michael. Some of you have pointed out from time to time. But he took pity on me. And I became the monthly breakfast. We became the monthly breakfast. For little did I know the final three years of Ed's life. Obviously it was something that we always suspected... Could be the case, he was always fighting a litany of ailments in the last years, but uh, it was a real privilege. Ed and I, at breakfast, we began forging a friendship, having ongoing conversations that covered everything from the military to history to old Goshenhoppen. To politics, to banking stories, his love for Nance, always called you Nance. And I, I didn't, and uh, the wonderful one as well, but, and the hopes and desires for his children, his grandchildren. Michael's right, he did have a few nicknames. A few I said, Ed, you gotta stop calling them that around me. I cannot hear that nickname. But, I had the pleasure, well I didn't have the pleasure of decades that many of you had. He was already kind of dealing with many of the things that Moses is dealing with in these passages. We would often talk about the mistakes he had made in life and how he would do certain things different, far different in hindsight. And he really was this wealth of wisdom and outpouring of love. And normally at the end of every meal, he would hand me, I was maybe 100 pounds at the time, no I'm kidding. But he would always hand me a a coupon to McDonald's or Dairy Queen and tell my kids, you know, take the kids out for ice cream. Reminding me not to take lightly the simple pleasures my season of life that I'm currently in affords me with my family. He was a man, by the time I got to know him, unafraid to to speak about both the mountaintops of life and the valleys, and it's a breath of fresh air in a world that often puts up a false facade. And so this all plays a large part of why, in thinking about Ed, I settled on Psalm 90 as his eulogy text. It's a text that reminds me quite a bit of my long conversations with Ed. Ed which early on were forged over cups of coffee at Franconia, but later on in hospital rooms and in the privacy of his own home. Psalm 90 is a text that makes clear that the Bible sees recognizing the inevitability of death as an opportunity, that it's not a waste of life to do the hard work in thinking about death. In the first six verses of our passage, Moses actually focuses on the early years of his life where he had thought little about death. In the early decades, of course, Moses' story was a story of being raised in the household of Pharaoh. He was being raised for political office, a future. He was the adopted grandson of the Pharaoh. And downstairs, if you haven't seen it, this was the most startling revelation of all. I guess Ed had a little bit of that future, where there's an article down there, and you, you can see it at Franconia, that the, the reporter speculated that a young Ed crestman might someday be the governor of Pennsylvania. And if you know Ed's politics, most amazingly of all, the Democratic governor of Pennsylvania. <laughs> did he hide this from me (laughs) but in Psalm 90 Moses thinks about those early years of his life and he points out that how so many of those early assumptions in his youth ultimately amounted to dust by verse 3 our early days of life Moses says are swept away like a flood before we know it that a life that was once flourishing begins to show its cracks and by the end of verse 6 it begins to fade and wither like the fleeting grass of an arid desert landscape but Moses doesn't tell us about the fleeting dreams of his younger life in order to depress us but he writes about the brevity of life because it should drive the wise individual towards a more mature understanding of the God who transcends death time itself. The Bible sees moments like today where we're forced to consider death as having a great potential for being a character-building moment, a potential refining fire that can help purify our thoughts, our deeds, our motives, and can prioritize both God and community and our relationships. Have you figured this out yet? That life is fleeting and ultimately meaningless unless it's richly connected to the God who transcends time itself. I know a great many in this room enjoyed several decades with Ed and maybe even a lifetime with Ed. But again, coming to know Ed when I got to come to know him. It was such a blessing that over the three years of our, our friendship in this mortal life. I did not see a man who allowed his final years to waste away, being paralyzed by the fear of death, or trying to ignore the reality of it altogether. But actually, the refining fire of death helped further develop in Ed a trait that long existed in him as a great watchman. He really was a truly compassionate individual who was well aware of his own mortality and lived and lived boldly in light of it when we first moved across country um, the first car to come out was this big cumbersome rv and it was ed coming with sarge in tow the dog with more health problems than ed <laughs> i i always told that there is a country western song in that dog and you're missing the opportunity um and Nancy, and they left their car for us. Ed's household, for a family that had moved across country, was the first one to open up its doors to us and share a meal. When the tornado hit old Goshenhoppen, Ed was there when he found out we were without power with enough water for a couple weeks. I think he drained the perky omen so that we could flush the toilets, wash the dishes, have a drink of water. He was a selfless watchman even even in the church, you know at at the time of the congregational meeting when it came to the budget <laughs> he'd always have comments. The banker had comments on the budget, and yet, in the privacy of our breakfast, uh, he just he just cared so much about the church it wasn't that. He did it out of a mean spirit or anything like this. He just he he was a watchman. He cared. He wanted to protect people. Ed constantly wanted to know and acted upon moments where there were those in need in the community. Even um, one of the striking moments I'll never forget. We were at Franconia having breakfast, and Ed got news that ended up being a premature diagnosis, that he was cancer-free. And it was during the time, Nancy, you were going through your cancer treatments. And he sat across the table, and he said, I just, I got such good news, but... I don't, I don't want to tell people my news because I, I don't want it to overshadow uh, Nancy or, or, or bother her in any way. He was a watchman. cared about people. Loved you, Nancy. Loved you so much. What I'm trying to say is that Ed had wrestled with the brevity of life and had learned the lesson of Psalm 90, verse 12 that it's in learning to number our days that we can gain a greater heart of wisdom and boldly love the people around us. So now I ask you, and I ask even myself, have we figured out that same lesson yet? Have we done the hard work? Even in the last year and a half, with all that Ed was battling, it still wasn't uncommon to see Ed showing up at church when he could especially even in the early days of COVID, though he was battling lung cancer. Because he had numbered his days, just as Moses had in verse 12. And he had, as verses 9 and 10 teach us, gain the wisdom and perspective of that a life can gain and that spans seven or eight decades. But the Bible has Psalm 90 written for us, not so that you and I have to wait until we're 70 in our 70s like ed to learn this lesson the the bible god wants to through his word give us perspective today regardless of what stage of life we find ourselves in let me give an illustration of this numbering days i i believe i don't know if this is the case but i believe i participated in ed cressman the marines final mission of life his spinal, final special ops mission called me around February and by then his voice was raspy. And he lets me know early on in the week, Nancy's going to be out. Oh, actually, Nance is going to be out with Judy on Friday. I want to get her some flowers so will you come pick me up when I call you on Friday and we're going to go pick up some flowers I want to get her flowers on Valentine's Day I think he knew so here I was I was commandeered on his mission and sure enough on Friday comes the, the, the news Nancy has pulled out of the driveway it's time to drive over and I led Ed out to the car, and I helped him get in. And I drove him to Landis Supermarket, and then we pulled in. And it's like the Marine came out of him, and he flipped the switch. Because all of a sudden, I was was getting ready to get out of the car and to help him out, just like I helped him in. And he he stopped me. He said, no, you're not going to help me. And I said, "Do you want me to at least go into Landis with you, just in case you were to?" No. I'm getting these flowers all by myself. I'm going in and coming out with these flowers. And sure enough, he did that. Brought him home. It was uh, a special mission. I'll never forget. Wow. <laughs> He was a watchman. Ed walked the road of what he knew by then was likely to be that final Valentine's Day bouquet for Nancy with boldness, courage, and love in his heart. That's the kind of courage Moses is trying to stir up in us in Psalm 90 to reflect on the fact that we don't get much time in this life. And yet spurring us on to make the most, then, of our relationship with God and, by extension, our relationship with others. A little over three weeks ago, Ed and I had what would end up being our final private conversation. Uh, Nance had to go and uh, do some work on the taxes, and and so uh, I was just there with Ed. And when she left, he looked at me. And the conversation that we had in other times in different ways was a little different this time. He looked at me and he just said, Kevin, I'm, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to go. And at that moment, I actually... I remembered the part- parting of Luch, and I, I had the opportunity to talk with Luch, and I know Ed did too, during Ed, what became Luch's last week. And I said, "You don't need to be ready today, Ed. Lord it means the Lord's not going to take you today. But the Lord will make you ready. The Lord will prepare you when it is time. I don't usually do that as a pastor. I don't like to speak for God um, in that kind of way. But I I felt compelled by God to tell him that in that moment. And the good news is the Lord honored that prayer. He, of course, didn't want to go at the time because he he worried about you, Nance, and the kids and the grandkids. And yet... uh, In The final few days, I know the Lord made him ready. And so what do I want you to remember in regards to this eulogy? I want you to remember the Bible encourages us to think honestly, openly, and candidly about death. To see how fleeting life can be. How quickly we can move from different seasons of life. And before we know it, time speeds up and we've reached our end. And the reason the Bible wants you and I to think about death in such a way is because in seeing death openly and honestly, we can begin to see the God who had promised Moses and promises all those who believe upon the Lord to deliver them from death and bring them and usher them into the ultimate promised land the God who Moses was pleading with at the end of Psalm 90 Moses is saying here at the end of Psalm please God let your people see your mighty works beyond death have your favor shine upon us in the end Make the works we have done in this life not be done in vain. These pleas of Moses' eulogy and those of Ed's in our final private conversation with one another have now been answered, and they will be for all those who die in faith. It's those who do the hard work that Psalm 90 challenges us to consider who will hear the words of our final passage and more brief passage found in Matthew, chapter 25, verse 21, on the back page of your bulletin. That all those who have found the wisdom of life that wisely number its days by trusting richly in the Lord to those individuals, the master will one day declare, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. In my walk with Ed during the final three years of his life, I saw a man who ministered to others, including my own family, and in seeing him, I saw a reflection of the God I love. And now that same man today beholds his Lord face to face. God has blessed him. God has kept him. And God has made his face to shine upon him. So let us learn to more richly love and praise the Lord. How intimately do you know the master who can declare to those who pass on in death, well done, my good and faithful servant. How much wisdom do you have when it comes to being prepared to number your days? The Bible talks candidly about death because it's in the quiet contemplative silence meditating upon death can bring that we can begin to listen for If we have the wisdom to hear it, the master calling out to us saying, yes my child, life is fleeting and often filled with difficult challenges and seasons of sorrow, but that's why I came down for you, so that I might save you, so that you would no longer fear death. Our Lord and our God calls out to us today, if we have ears to hear it, and he says, come and follow me, I will give you rest, even from the fear of death. Hear the master's voice this afternoon, who offers to all those who believe in him, not the despair of death at the end, but a life that is everlasting. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father God, it is our joy that you gave the most precious of all gifts, your one and only Son, to be the offering the perfect offering that put an end to our need to fear death that in the hope of the tomb of Easter morning we now settle on the matter of Ed Cressman's life that this is not the end of the story but just the beginning Lord that 10,000 years from now we will still sing the praises of your deliverance from all sorrow, all pain, and even death itself. Amen.